right, good morning everybody. As you can see, a lot of things going on around here in the summer. That uh, highlight reel was from Maker's Camp. How many participated in Maker's Camp? That's really cool. We've been doing this for several years now, and it's kind of our, our version of Vacation Bible School, but it, it taps the God-given creativity uh, that He's put in all of us. And so creativity is one of God's great attributes. It's one of the things He's put in man, and it helps us to become who God called us to be. It's a, great, it's a great thing to tap and develop, praise God. So we're in the middle of the summer, and we're doing the summer series, which is really when we quit doing series, you know, when we just do simple one message at a time topics. We have different speakers come in, and I come in occasionally. I got to speak to you last week, and I get to speak to you this week again, so it's a joy to be back with you. Let's say hi to our North Campus, everybody online, everybody on vacation that's watching us, praise God. And everybody in Upshur County, too. And so, another advantage. Amen. Amen. Upshur County Jail. We, uh, we uh, a lot of people out in the summer. That's another reason it's good to, to just do simp- one message at a time instead of the series. We like to do series around here. Series are great. I preached for, you know, here for 30 years. And I can tell you, when, I, when we started doing series, I, I really began to like that because you don't have to take a topic and get it all done in one week. I mean, you know, there's almost any topic in the scripture, there's a lot there. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in those, in those services where the guy's trying to cram everything he knows into 35, 40 minutes. It's, it's exhausting, you know, and you don't remember any of it. You know, here's 21 points to save your marriage. Okay. <laughs> I need two. I need three. You know, I stop at three here, you know. So uh, I'm excited about what God's put on my heart to share with you. I want to be, kick it off with 1 Corinthians 2.16, and this is really going to be our text. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was in Greece, and the Greeks were uh, pursuers of wisdom and felt like they had wisdom. Wisdom was a big thing in in the Greek culture. Uh, The philosophers, you know, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle... They're all Greek philosophers, and they kind of spawned Greek philosophy and Western civilization philosophy. So wisdom was a big thing, and he deals with it in the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 2, and he concludes it with this verse 16. He says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Now, most of us who believe in the God of the Bible would agree with that statement. That's a common thing you hear in churches. Who can know the mind of God? Who can know the thoughts of God? You see this often in the prophets, you know, in the Old Testament. And it's common among the faithful to hear things like, well, you know, God, who can know the will of God? We just have to trust it, you know. But then he he adds this statement that a lot of people don't understand or believe, unfortunately. Who can know the mind of the Lord? Good question. Then he says this, but we... Have the mind of Christ. Guys, that's a phenomenal statement. It's mind-blowing to me personally. And I'll never forget when I first read it. It goes, wow. You mean I don't have to stumble along this entire earthly pilgrimage with a posture of piety that says, well, I don't know the will of God. I just have to go on and trust, and one day it's all going to make sense. And You know, I just want to say, 
That is true a lot of times, but not as many times as we make it true because we have been taught that we cannot know, because God's almighty and infinite and wise, we cannot know His will, His mind. And He just contradicted that with this statement. We have the mind of Christ. So, if you don't remember anything else, I always like to say that every time I preach. Remember this, we have... We have access to this. Now, what is the mind of Christ? Well, I think it's his perspective, God's perspective on things. How many of you know when you get God's perspective on things, things change? Uh, his, his incredible knowledge, his intellect. How many of you know God's pretty smart? He's brilliant. I wouldn't say his knowledge is infinite because I don't know where to go with that, but it's pretty close. And then his wisdom. So there's knowledge. Facts, perspective, and then wisdom. Wisdom is what to do and when to do it. How many of you know occasionally we need to know that? And so this, this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding is a trilogy we hear often put forth in Scripture. Let me give you an example. The book of wisdom, Proverbs 2.6, For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So you see the trilogy, you'll see it often. And we're told to seek these things in Proverbs. He says, wisdom, he gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding, perspective. So we're actually being told that we have access. I want to put it like that. We have access to the mind of Christ. It doesn't mean we have it all, but we have access to it. And to me, that changes everything. Because I need access to his mind. And I want access to his mind. And when I get access to his mind, I've seen phenomenal things happen. I've seen God show me things, and some of you have too, in one second, in one instant, that I walked out for the next three to five to ten years. That's how brilliant he is. That's how his perspective, his insight, his revelation, once it's deposited, once, it's, once there's that illumination that comes to you and I, it can, it can literally change the course of events. I've seen people, God showed them things at work that changed their work, that changed how their company did business, how we parented, how we solved unsolvable situations, how we found a way to get through something that seemed to keep stopping us indefinitely. That's what access to the mind of Christ can do. It's a great promise. But I want to point out one other thing about this verse. He did not say, I have the mind of Christ. He said, we have the mind of Christ. It's a we thing, not an I thing. Now personally, <laughs> this has been a challenge for me. Because I process things normally in isolation. Some people... When they're going through something, they process things with people. They just want to talk to a bunch of people about it. And that's fine. There's no right or wrong here. It's how you're wired. That's why we have this ID class where you get to see how you're wired. We have four different personality styles. And when you understand your personality, then you know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, and I'm, good on by, I'm good by myself. I'm good on processing. I can press into God. I can spend hours in prayer. I can research stuff. I like doing it. It's how I get to where I want to go. But God had to show me 
that there's a we component and that none of us on our own are going to get access to the mind of Christ that he has for us by ourselves. For me, this has been challenging. There's a verse, and this is a, this is a theme, by the way, throughout Scripture. Let me give you one, uh, one of the more powerful examples of it in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Paul wrote this. He says, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, whatever, good, whatever you're good at, you can't say to somebody that's good at something else, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. In other words, which part of your body are you willing to do without? And to do without that part of your body, you'll still function. You will just function at a lesser level. You'll be in some ways crippled. Now, a lot of people see this idea of interdependency. That's what this is telling us, interdependency. We are interdependent. We are not independent. We are interdependent. A lot of people see this idea of interdependency as a sign of weakness. If you, oh, you need other people. Oh, okay, well, that's fine for you. I mean, I'm good. I'm good by myself. I'll get it. I'll get it done. I'll get it figured out. But, you know, for, for you, that's fine. If you're weak. <laughs> and if that's your temptation... Let me remind you who wrote this. The Apostle Paul. He, he was kind of a loser. Pretty lame. He only wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that 2,000 years later we're still trying to figure out. Peter wrote of Paul, man, that guy's deep. <laughs> I can't figure it out. He was, he, he was one of the greatest forces in history, without a doubt. One of the most brilliant and forceful men who ever lived. And this is the guy that wrote, none of us can say, I, it's fine, we don't need a we. So, two things. We, God has given us access to his mind if we want it. And if we're smart, we'll want it. And to get there, it's going to be not just a solo journey. Amen. It's going to be a we, not an I. Amen. So I want to spend a few minutes just kind of communicating. How does God communicate His wisdom through others to us? So I'm going to give you several ways that I'm aware of. I don't know that this is an exhaustive list, but it's pretty. It's. I think these are the major areas. How God communicates His wisdom through us. Through, to us through others. And I want to give them in, in order of, well, you'll extend in order. Okay, here's the first one. Kind of this is how it normally comes to us. Let me put it like that. The first one is modeling. Modeling needs to be talked about for a minute. Because this is not how we've been taught that we learn. We've been taught we learn in classrooms. That's the Greek method, by the way. Sit in rows. And listen to somebody smart. And that's in the list here, by the way. That's part of it. But we first start learning not that way. We first start learning in the home. And we learn not from just instruction from our parents, but we learn from 
them being them modeling to us, modeling things to us. Now, when I say things like this, some people get discouraged <laughs> or depressed because maybe they grew up without good models or they perceive they grew up without good models. It could be one or both. And they get sad. Well, that stinks for me. But that's, there's a way that God supplements that. And it's called the church. And other great people he puts in our life. And there are, there are models, if, we're, if we have eyes to see, that God will position around us. And um, I know when I got saved as a young man, I started going to church. That's because that's what Christians do. I started going to church because that's what Christians do. Oh, you guys are, man. I'm going to keep saying it until I get some response. I started going to church because that's what Christians do. Thank you. I am preaching to the choir. I do know that. But here's why you need to come to church and not just, not just read or watch stuff. Because I saw models. I saw redeemed families. I saw, I saw aunts and uncles and grandparents and parents and brothers and sisters. I saw multi-generational models that were godly. And as a young 18-year-old kid, it gave me great hope for my future. I saw what life could be and was meant to be. That's what models do. We underestimate the power of modeling. And if we underestimate that, we will be tempted to do what I have been tempted to do. Process life only in isolation. It's easier than ever to stay isolated. We have the internet. My gosh. You Google something and three seconds you get one million answers. You feel so smart. (laughs) And we miss out on this powerful, powerful way God communicates. This three-dimensional look at Truth and wisdom and life and redemption because you see it being played out and lived out in the flesh. It's incredibly powerful. One of the most inspirational examples of this is the story of Roger Barrister who in who May the 6th, 1954 broke the four-minute mile in running. Now for... Decades and decades, since the 1800s, they have been trying to break the four-minute mile. Four-minute mile, like men can run under a mile under four minutes. All the experts said it could not be done until it was done. Now, this is May 6, 1954. That's the year, it's the day after I was born. I'm sure there's some sort of significance to that. I hadn't figured it out. That year... 45 days later, somebody else broke the four-minute mile. For years, they said it couldn't be done. Somebody did it, and then somebody else 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 did it, and now thousands of people have done it. 
That's the power of modeling. Modeling demonstrates what can be. Modeling says this can happen. This can happen for you. That's the power of modeling. And so if we're smart, if we want access to the mind of Christ, we need to keep putting ourselves intentionally in places where we get to see life modeled that is a good life. That's the life we want. This is what fellowship is about. We're not necessarily learning anything new we couldn't read about somewhere. We're hearing it played out, shared through other living epistles in a fellowship context. There's an exchange of life, exchange of wisdom, exchange of truth, peer support. And you can learn from other people how they're solving the problems that you're dealing with, whether it's in your home or your work life, your business. You can, you can get some wisdom from God through people. So I want to just take enough time to understand that that's the first way we begin to learn, and it's one of the most powerful ways. I could talk the whole message on this because I've seen it put to work. I've seen it employed intentionally in many of the circumstances I've been in. But there are other methods. The second one would be called structured teaching, what we normally call of how we get wisdom, how we get insight. So it doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. That could be what you're getting right now. It could be a classroom. Uh, it could be a course that you take. You know, There is a gift of teaching. And there are people who have knowledge that we need access to. There's, the third one is less... We do it, but we don't know the word. It's a biblical word. We don't use it a lot in our own culture. It's called exhortation. Exhortation. If, if you, you, you'll think, you'll remember reading that in most translations, use the word exhortation. What does it mean? It means to appeal to, to urge on. It's, less, it's not as much instruction as motivation. But it is a method of communication. It is how God gets information and wisdom and insight to us. A um, couple of verses, um, it's like urging on, it's like coaching, it's like motivation, you can do this, it's like you need to do this, kind of get, get, in, kind of get in your face sometimes, that's exhortation, urge to action. A couple of verses, Hebrews three twelve and 13, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. How many of you know we need to? Stay on our toes. None of us are exempt from, honestly, from falling away. Letting unbelief take over our life. But exhort one another daily. Now notice he says daily. Some people think going to church once a week is a magnificent sacrifice. <laughs> daily. So I, I got to reading this. So I've talked to the staff and we're going to start meeting daily. I'm, I've, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin has a deceitful quality to us. It appeals to that part of our fallen nature that likes to self-justify things that we know in our hearts later are wrong. Exhortation can cut through that. Hey, what are you doing? Outside voices. Outside voices. Reminding us in heart, hearts what we know to be true. Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together as the manner of some is, which we've talked about a lot. How, this is why Christians go to church. <laughs> Next time you see somebody, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Well, let's, you're not, you know the Bible says you're supposed to go to church. Just tell them. 
Just tell them. Don't be afraid. Tell them. They're missing out on the wisdom and the mind of Christ in so many areas of their life. But exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So I've really called this message the power of the other. The power of the other. Somebody, I saw somebody, oh, finally, it gives me a title, I can write it down. I'm stealing it from a book by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's a book I recommend you read. He's a Christian psychologist, and he has this amazing story. Dr. Cloud's whole thesis in a lot of his teaching and writing is the power of relationships, how it literally, our brains need it. He comes at it from a scientific standpoint. There's a biochemical reaction and a neurological reaction, literally in the brain, in our body chemistry, that is changed for good or bad through outside relationships. And he gives an example of a guy who was training to be a Navy SEAL, which is very rigorous and demanding. And the last week is the most rigorous. They call it Hell Week. And you go days without sleep and unbelievable physical challenges. And there's the last thing you have to do to make or break you. And you have to swim this very long distance through cold water. And if you get to the other side, you're a seal. And if you don't, you're not. And this guy was giving it everything he had. And he couldn't make it. He says, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have to tap out. He had zero strength left and a lot of times people go well you just don't want it he wanted it more than anything in the world think about what he'd been through to get to that point and in his mind he was about to go under and his buddy had gotten to the other shore and was turned had turned around and he saw his face and he said you can make it did this right in his face and all he it just came it came just strength coursed through his body. He found that extra gear. It happened. That, and he made it. And he became a seal. Through that one instance. Which we think, how could that happen? But that's how God wired us. We need, it's the power of we. We need people in our life that at critical moments can say, no, no, this is it. You need the outside voice because we can all have blind spots. I've said this before. We can all be emotionally compromised. And God has put people around us and that's how he communicates. It's a powerful example. So here's the, the last two. Uh, mentoring. Mentoring is something we've seen pick up a lot around here. A lot of people are, are starting to tap into the power of mentoring. So mentoring is when you, you intentionally seek someone out or they seek you out. And we're going to spend time together. And it kind of combines the first three, you know, some, some modeling, some teaching, some exhortation. But, but there's an there's a, there's a exchange, there's a pouring in, there's a pursuit of wisdom, there's a pursuit of knowledge, a pursuit of answers. I want to get better. And, and, and really, none of this that I'm saying today makes, is, is going to be helpful or you're even going to find interesting unless there is this, I want to get better mentality in your heart. Like if, if you're just like, just leave me alone, then, then you're, you're just kind of, when's this guy going to be done? 
That's where you are right now. This is bugging you, not blessing you. This, the presupposition is you want to get better. And can I say, I don't think, I think that should be our story as long as we're on this earth. My mom's 90 years old and she wants to get better. I'm, I'm 69. I still want to get better. I don't want to be that guy. Let me tell you something, Sonny. I don't have my teeth in right now. I've lived a lot. You need to listen to me. I don't want my whole life to be one way anymore. Life is not fun. If you're just upset that nobody will listen to you anymore and you're trying to find somebody to listen, you just want to keep growing and getting better. You see the value of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And so mentoring is somebody that says, you know what? I see somebody, they have, they've lived life ahead of me. They've, they've got a good marriage. They've got, they're good parents. They, this guy seems to know good. He know how to run. He's running his business well. And I could profit by time together. This person has a walk with God that's solid and real. And I'm, hit, I'm hitting some walls. And I don't want to stumble. And so that, that, is a, that is a much more intense decision. I meet together once a week or a couple times a month or whatever. And there's an exchange of information. And, and, you, and if you want this, it happens. Our women's ministry set it up for a while and you know, I just think it's, it's available at any time. Anybody wants it. You, if you're the person seeking someone to mentor you, you need to bring questions. Don't expect them. I've had people, hey, would you mentor me? I said, cool. Just bring your questions. I'm not going to sit cross-legged on the top of a mountain like a little Buddha going to journey with life. I give you all these spouty sound bites. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not wired that way. I'm not, here's 50 principles for life, you know. I mean, some guys are good at that. That's not me. But tell me what you're going through, and I'll, if God gives me some insight, I'll give it to you. That's my story. So anyway, I just want to set the expectations if you decide to go here. <laughs> Make it easy on everybody, you know. Bring your questions, you know. Uh, and it can be peers. It doesn't have to be someone. But you, hopefully you want somebody that's a little further down the road than you are. And can I just say, the people I've seen that really just seem to be killing it. They just seem to be keep going and they make progress. They find ways to win. A lot of these people really do put this strategy into practice. They don't just let fear or pride make them stall out where they are. So we have a big saying here, don't stay stuck. Everybody gets stuck, but don't stay stuck. So mentoring is one thing and the, and the final one that, that I really encourage you should put into practice in order to keep from staying stuck is counseling. Counseling. Counseling is not a dirty word. You know. It just means that you, you would like to figure this out in the next 20 years, you know. <laughs> Uh, I was, uh, let me give you another example. So, I have some land now, and I have some horses, and I have a pasture, so I have to take care of the pasture, and I was spraying it for weeds, and a friend of ours, friend of mine in the church here had a sprayer, he let me borrow it, got the weed stuff, everything, unhooked my brush hog, I have a, a farm tractor, and if you know anything about farm tractors, there's, there's a three-point hookup, 
And it can be a challenge, you know, because different implements, trying to get that tractor in just and right and get everything the right distance. And, and uh, I, had to, I took off the brush hog, okay, and I was trying to put the spray on. I got two of the three points um, hooked up. But that third, it, it just, it was this far. And this sprayer, you know, weighs about 100 pounds or so, you know, 150. It's just, it's a little crooked. I'm just, and I pushed it and I pushed it and I picked the track, pulled it up with the track and put it back. I could not get that thing. And this is when the heat wave just started. I was not used to the heat. I'm losing a pound an hour in sweat. Like, okay, I'm going to call my friend James Walker. James Walker is the tractor guru here. He buys and sells them. He's my buddy. I don't want to bother James. I'm a man. I should know this. I mean, some of you guys right now go, that guy should know that, man. What's? But I didn't. Okay, I'm new. This is a learning curve for me. I've had a tractor two years, you know. I'm calling James. James is picked up. He's so sweet and humble. He didn't laugh. He goes, oh, well, there, he might want to look. There's a little chain there, and you can, there's an adjustment on the chain, and it, it extends it. Like, I don't know why they did that. I, I think that's a wrong design, personally. Five minutes, it's done. Two pounds lighter, one hour later. It was way easier to spray the pasture than get the sprayer on the tractor, you know. And once I saw it, why didn't I see it? And it's, you know, and you, as a part of you wants to feel dumb. But some of you, years ago, you made me hear me say, I would rather look dumb any day than be dumb. I mean, if I have to choose, I'm going to choose looking dumb. Because guess what? You may think I'm dumb, but I got the sprayer on the tractor. Problem solved. I can get over the other, you know. And that's what counseling does. Counseling just, it's not working, man. I mean, yeah, we might figure it out in the next 10 to 20 years. Why go through that pain? And we might not. It might get worse. But, but, but modeling and mentoring of the five methods, those are the most invasive. Because you're not just getting information, you're having to give some information. This is what I'm going through. This is what's working, this is what's not. This is my perspective. And your perspective could be wrong... And you're willing to be shown that it's wrong. Right. And we've, in our marriage, we've read books, we've done all, but we've, at times we go, honey, if we, if we can't figure this out, we're going to get counseled because we're not, we're not just going to stay here. Amen. You know? And that's what you do. You just say, I'm not sitting out here in the hot sun for the next two days. <laughs> out of pride. Pride. Because the reason people don't get counseled, the reason people don't seek help, there's no good reason. It's just pride. Now, it's not like, you know, you're living on the edge of a mountain. There's nobody around here. There's access. God has put his massive body of wisdom and knowledge and understanding around all of us. He's given us access. And yes, you don't have to go to some. You can get it online, you know, whatever. 
I had a friend tell me, hey, you can fix your dryer, just go online. I went online, I met the spaghetti of wires. Didn't work. <laughs> what they were doing was a different machine than what I had. So called the repairman, you know. Here's the thing. Don't stay stuck. And counseling, it, 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 it's not a dirty word. And if you need counseling, our, our team is here. Just call the church. and We have pastors and leaders and people who've, who've who are strong maybe in an area that it may not be one of our pastors, maybe somebody in our church that we know is really good at what you're talking about. And they've got some wisdom. They'd love to share it. Because we're here. We, we, we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. So that's the exciting part, is that God is a God who, who gives knowledge, wisdom, understanding. He's willing to share it. There are people, and here's my close, there are people who, who take advantage of these resources. And there are people who don't. There are people who make progress. And there are people who stay stuck. And there's five different ways. And if we're his children, we're his disciples. The word disciple means a learner. That's what it means. We don't just, hey, I'm saved, leave me alone. It's like, I want to grow. I want to make progress. I want to, take, I want to get access to this knowledge and wisdom and understanding and brilliance of God himself. And we find in Scripture, he's willing to share. But here's the key, whether you get adva- take advantage of this or don't take advantage of the resources that God has. And it's the answer to this one simple question. What is my relationship to this thing called light? Light. God's a God of light. What is my relationship to light? Am I moving toward it? Am I pursuing it? Or do I say, okay, a little bit's fine, but too much is too much. I don't want light I often thought over the years, why don't more people go after God? Why don't more, we talk about this God of grace and love? Why don't more people ask for His help? Why don't more people want His salvation? And I think as humans, we want His help, but we may not want His insight. And we certainly don't want His interference. And in so saying that, what we're saying is, I got this. I know more than you, God. I know more than you. I'm smarter than God himself. I can't serve God. That wouldn't work for me. I can't get, put this practice, this, this uh, principle of God into practice in my own life. That's not going to work in my job. That's not going to work in my marriage. That's not going to work in my situation. That's not going to work in my addiction. That's what we're saying. We're saying... I know this better than you. And so we don't go after light. We shy away from light. What I've become aware of is that one day, every single one of us will stand before God. And in that moment, we're standing before perfect light. And we will be bathed in perfect light. And everything that's hidden, we're told this by Jesus, Everything that's hidden will be revealed. So if I need something to be revealed now, I may not want to get the x-ray. But if something's hurting me, I need the x-ray. I need to see what I can't see. I need to know what I don't know. Amen? So that's the issue. What is my relationship to light? And so what I want us to do is pray and give God a heart that says, God, 
I want your light. Wherever that is, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of light. How many of you have come to that point where you're not afraid of light? You want all the light that God has for you. Just tell him that. Let's just stand before him. And just say, God, I want your light. Some of you, some lights have turned on right now in this message. There's been some lights that have turned on in your soul right now. You've got, okay, I see this. I see what I've been doing. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need, some of you, a light has turned on. Like, I've been holding back on God. I've been living, I've been keeping God at distance. But you're stumbling. You're struggling. You're out in the pasture and you're melting. It's not fun. Amen? So let's just say to God, Lord, I'm, I'm going to move toward you now. I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to move toward the, un, the, the God, unapproachable light, God. You're the light of all lights. Father, we just come before you. Just pray together. Lord Jesus, I come before you. And if there's any hidden part of me, I, I don't want it to be hidden anymore, Lord. I don't want to hold on to things. I don't want to live in pride. I don't want to live in my own limited, puny understanding. I want your light. I want your truth. I want your insight. I want your wisdom. I want your direction. Just speak to him about that right now. Tell him your heart. Tell him your heart, God. Make a decision right now that I'm going to pursue you, which means I'm going to pursue light. Not just your help, but your wisdom. Not just your forgiveness, but your knowledge and your understanding. Lord, we give you just want to bring that to you right now, Lord. And let all of us be those children of light, God, that avail ourselves of all these massive resources of knowledge and wisdom and understanding and insight. And we if if some of us are stuck some of you are stuck maybe in a, an area of your life. Some of you are stuck in your involvement with the body of Christ. You maybe come on Sunday morning, but you never go to a class, or you never go to a life group, or you never ask for prayer. Don't be stuck. Don't live there. Make a decision right now. You're going to step toward God. You're going to keep moving. You're not going to stand still. How many of you are going to make that decision? I'm not standing still. Come on, raise your hand to the Lord. Tell Him, I'm not standing still anymore, Lord. I'm not going to stay stuck. I'm not going to stay where I am. Lord, I ask you to bless each and every man and woman and young person in the sound of my voice, God, that we would begin to see greater and greater light and insight and revelation in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God.